perhaps uh, a few years ago, and I think it was, it'll be three years in June, I believe, um, that I was at Boulevard last, and, uh, and there was a message that I think I shared last time I was here, and so I could be wrong, my memory does, uh, does, does fade, but I talked about a few times in life when, when simply put, you need to stop praying. When it's time to stop praying and start acting. When the word of God's very straightforward saying, why are you praying about this? I've already told you what I want. And those are direct incidents where in the word of God is just very clear that, that basically you're asking him something where, hang on, he said something else already. So, so stop trying to get your way. But tonight, I want to talk about another angle. It's not going to cover what we discuss on that topic, but I want to look at another angle, and that is what is the will of God? What is the will of God? And not just what is the will of God, but I specifically want to look at 15 things, if we can do that in, in 28 minutes, I want to look at 15 things that keep us at times from knowing God's will. Now, here's what I ask for you to do. I want you to write them down, but I really want you to pick one or two out of the list. If I don't get through all 15, that's fine. I'm just going to stop. But I want you to pick one or two out of the list, and then I want you to go a step further. Make sure you ask at least one person in this room, at least one person, and I might come ask you if you ask one person. I want you to ask at least one person, what were your top two hindrances to walking in the will of God. All right? That's that's going to be your, your homework afterward, but that's before you leave this building. Now, I very quickly want to take the first about seven minutes of this half hour and discuss what is the will of God, things that we absolutely know. Because we discuss, man, well, how do I know God's will for my life? Well, good news, he's let you know. The first thing, just to clearly lay out there, this is God's will. You don't need to wonder about it. You don't need to pray about, is this God's will? We find in 1 Peter, sorry, I was like, I think I'm wrong about that. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. I just want to read it for you. You can go there, but I'm just going to read it and we'll move on. It says this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. The first will of God we know for every person is that they be saved. He is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I'm not going to go into uh, the doctrinal arguments you might want to have right now about that. I would rather just believe the word of God. And the word of God says he's not willing that any should perish. That means that when I look at a soul, I can guarantee Jesus Christ died for that person. He loved them so much that the father sent his only begotten son. I know that when they were in the womb, they were knit together perfectly. I know their love with an everlasting love. And if that's the way that God views someone, how can I refuse to forgive them? How can I refuse to extend myself toward them? I know the first thing, the will of God, is that man be saved. The second thing I know, though, I see over in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, once somebody is saved, I know the second will of God. And you might say, that's arrogant. It's not arrogant to know something God already told you you're supposed to know. He told us. It's not a secret. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Look carefully how you should walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. (laughs) Understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it goes on to discuss what that looks like. The second will of God, absolutely. If you have salvation, now you have Spirit-filled. He wants us to be filled with His Spirit. Now, understand, there is a difference between living filled with the Spirit and having the Spirit. The Spirit of God is given to those who come to Jesus Christ. That is a gift He gives you. But let me make this very clear, as we've already talked about quite a bit today, that you can be filled with a lot of other things. And when you're filled with other things, by very definition, you're not filled with the Spirit. God wants us to be filled with His Spirit. That's His will, period. That's His will. Remember, we're, we're going to discuss the things that keep us from His will. I just want you to know what His will is for you to be filled with the Spirit. The third thing that we know is God's will, and uh, we could say this in different ways, but He wants you to be sanctified. Sanctified. You say, I might say, well, that's obvious, but, but why are you just mentioning that? Well, I mention it because of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says this in verse 3, for this is the will of God. You know, anything that starts out for this is the will of God, you should probably keep reading. (laughs) This is the will of God. Are you ready? Your sanctification. You might say that's vague. Okay, let's keep reading. That you abstain from sexual immorality. Please, my friends, my friends, my friends, you live in a wicked world. Sexual immorality might say this is a youth meeting and we have very young people here. Let me just tell you this. God wants you holy. Not just staying away from certain sins that you deem going too far. The question, if you're asking the question, is this wrong? If you're asking the question, is this too far? Let me tell you right now, you're already focused on the wrong thing entirely. The question is never, is something bad or is something good? Don't ask if it's bad or good. Ask, does it glorify Jesus Christ? That's the focus. He wants your sanctification. You want to keep reading in 1 Thessalonians 4? You know what it tells us to do? Run. Run. When you see something unholy, when you see something which is not pushing you towards the image of Jesus Christ, run. Run. No, no. Don't debate. Don't entertain. Don't negotiate at the table of the enemy. Run. That's the will of God, your sanctification. Another thing that's the will of God, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. You know this verse, but connect it to the will of God. Romans chapter 12. And what does it say right at the beginning? It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see the will of God there. What's the will of God? The fourth S would be service. Service. To present your body as a living sacrifice. He wants you to be part of his mission. Do not ask, God, how do you want to be part of my life? That's not a good question. I'm just telling you gently. It's not a good question. God doesn't want to be part of your life. Isn't that nice? God doesn't want to be part of your life. He doesn't want to be part of your life either. And he doesn't want to be part of my life. Why does he want part of my life? He wants all of it. Stop asking God how to be part of your life. Give him your life. 
service, his mission, plug into what he's doing. Remember when Joshua in Joshua chapter 5, 13 to 15 is met by that angel of the Lord who we find out later is the Lord. And what does Joshua say to him? He says, are you for us or are you against us? And the commander says, no. First of all, that's not an answer to the question. Are you for me or against me? No. But as commander, I've come. See, the question's not, is God for you or against you? The question is, are you with him? We know he's for us. Who can be against us? But that's because we're his. We belong to him. We've been redeemed by his blood. He calls us to service. That's the will of God for you. I'll put one final one in there because it sums it all up. The fifth thing, you have a love letter from God. The Holy Scriptures, the Bible. Know it, know it, know it. This is the will of God. Do you wonder why David says things like, I stay up in the middle of the night reading your word. I can't get enough of it. Like, I want to eat it. It's sweeter than honey. Have you ever wondered like, oh man, what am I missing? Listen, what you're probably missing is you're not seeing this as sweet life where God's saying, I want to show you the journey to intimacy. We see this as a bunch of things to obey rather than seeing it as God telling us this is the pathway to his heart. This is beautiful. When we read, what does he say in John 14, 21? It says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me, my father will love and I will love and I will manifest myself to him. You want God to show himself to you? He says, I'm going to tell you how. Know my word. This is the pathway to intimacy with me. That's exciting. I don't know, if you're not excited, maybe you don't know him. I'd love to share the gospel with you. Please come talk to me after and be saved. You say, you just said that in the last meeting. I know. Because I still want you saved, just like I did in the last meeting. And you say, saved, I've come to Christ. Okay. But you've been saved. You're being saved and you will be saved. Some of you need to be saved from living a life of affection for the world where Christ would say to you, as he said to the church at Ephesus, you left your first love. You didn't lose it. You left it. When I leave my keys somewhere, I know where they are. You need to be saved from the things which you're addicted to in this world that are keeping you from intimacy with Christ. Be saved, Christians. With that being said, let me give you a little illustration then we're going to jump into these 15 things. And uh, that takes a lot of faith to believe we're going to cover them all, but we'll just aim for whatever we can aim for. Um, there was a guy named Vito Mitty. Uh, he lived in, in Spain. I don't know if he's from Spain, but he lived in Spain. And he was studying... Um, some kind of philosophy, and he was uh, doing research in a library in Barcelona, and he found this book in the uh, in the library. It's very archaic, and uh, he started reading. It's a philosophy, a book on philosophy. And as he read this ancient book, he came to a page, and there was like a leaflet inserted in there. He pulled the leaflet out, and it looked like a legal document. And what was fascinating about this legal document is it says, "My will is bequeathed." To whomever reads this book. Well, it looked legal, so he actually took it to the, the court system in Spain and he presented it. And sure enough, it was. And he ended up being awarded 250,000 euros, all because he found this document where my will is bequeathed to whoever reads this book. That's exactly what God put in his book, didn't he? He says, My will is bequeathed to whoever reads this book. You want to know the will of God? Listen, uh, it says in the, in the word of God that every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is mine. Why are we living like paupers when God 
literally bestows upon us all things in Christ? Is that not sad and, and pathetic? With that being said, that's the will of God. So why are we missing it? Let's look at some reasons why we're missing it. We're going to run through these very fast. Remember, uh, write them down as you go and ask the Lord when he hits you and he says, that's it. All right, be ready. And I want to encourage you, take it a step further. When you ask somebody what theirs is, would you just stop and pray for them at that point? Now you're like, I'm not going to ask anybody. Come on. If you can't pray for your brothers and sisters, you're already being disobedient to the will of God because he says, pray for one another. So let's go ahead and start now with obedience, right? Good idea? I think so. So number one, the first thing that keeps us from the will of God are sentiments. Sentiments. Another word for sentiments are feelings. Listen carefully. Your feelings really have nothing to do with your faith. Nothing. You can feel one way, but who cares how you feel? That's your flesh. Some of you are not obeying the will of God because you don't feel like it. What are you, you're going to wait for your flesh to catch up? Your flesh is not saved, my friend. Not yet. It will be. So really, you're going to listen to that? You're going to listen to the flesh? Oh, who's tempting the flesh all the time? I believe that would be the enemy of your soul. Your sentiments. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, in this journey with cancer, and this is a very private thing I'm sharing with you, but I've had so many battles with uh, hormonal issues in this whole journey. Um, after I had my thyroid out and then the radiation and whatnot, there are so many days where I'm telling you there is a battle inside. It's weird. It's like I've never even experienced it. But my wife knows very clearly I have to tell her, this is how I feel and this is what the Word of God says. We have to act on it. So I tell you, your feelings have nothing to do with your faith. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they have something to do with how you want to act, but they don't control you. Sentiments, are they in the way? Second thing is this, shame, shame. For some of you, you know the will of God, but you're not acting because you're ashamed of something in your past. My friends, is shame keeping you from obedience today? Because Jesus did not just die for your sin, he also took your shame. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, who for the joy set before me endured the cross, despising its shame. Can you imagine, do you ever know that shame you feel when you've sinned or when you've got to confess to someone? Imagine Christ bore the shame of the world on the cross. Are you refusing to step forward in faith because of shame in your own life when Christ died for that? Shame. Some of you, shame is keeping you from the will of God. Let's keep going. Number three, success, success. Are you resting in past accolades and assuming somehow that's carrying you into today? You have this moment. Paul says, not that I've already apprehended, but I press on toward the goal. Philippians chapter three, read verses 12 through 14. So I wonder, are you somehow satisfied with where you're at in your walk with Christ? So please don't be satisfied. Be satisfied with Christ, but don't be satisfied with where you are in your walk with Christ. He wants so much more of you. He wants to show himself far more intimately with you. Success. Is success in the way? Let's keep going. How about this? Situations. Situations. Do you have a situation of life that you're using as an excuse as to why you can't obey God's will? You're like, well, God, I know you say it in your word, but you don't quite understand. See, I have a really tough home life. Or, or you don't understand, Lord, I've got cancer. <laughs> so I can't exactly do what you're asking me to do. Oh, I didn't realize you had cancer, God says. Oh, I didn't realize you had a tough home life. Oh, I didn't realize that you don't have finances to do that. Oh, what? If God said it, your situation's not in the way of obeying it. Are you using a situation that's not going to hold up at the judgment seat of Christ? 
Come on. Situations. The fifth thing. Solutions. You might say, how is that an obstacle? Let me explain. I think a lot of times we have answers to the wrong question. In other words, what we ultimately are doing is we're, we're saying, well, this is the trajectory of my life. This is what I need to be doing. And, and so we get so focused on our solutions of our career that we need to pursue of our dreams. Let, let, let me just uh, challenge you just a little bit here. And, and, and uh, I could pick on a lot of cultures. So I'll pick on a culture that's really not very here, but some of you are represented by a culture that's almost identical. I was just in Singapore. And Singaporeans put such an emphasis on education. Everything's education, education, education. If you're not a doctor or you're not a lawyer or you're not something that's at least earning six figures, then, man, you got to have your solutions. You get so focused on your solutions in life that you start to miss the will of God because you're trying to incorporate the will of God into your solutions. And by no means could Jesus ever come up to you and say, sell everything you have and follow me. By no means could he ever say, take up your cross and follow me. That's not safe. That's not going to be a house in a good neighborhood where as parents we'll be proud of our child. (laughs) My friends, are your solutions getting in the way of God's will? Let's keep going. Number six. Support, support. You might say support. What exactly does that mean? Finances? No, no. I'm talking about people's support. If God says to do something, do I need a popular vote? Do I need to make sure you all agree with it? Yeah, I mean, like if God says go into all the world and preach the gospel, do I really need to know if all of you are okay with it? No, no, I'm not saying neglect going to your elders. I'm not saying, uh, you know, neglect the wise counsel. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. You don't need support of an ungodly throng. And an ungodly throng may at times be those that claim to be believers. And ungodly means they which speak contrary to the word of God. Support. Are you looking for support when God's will is enough? Let's keep going. Number eight. Number seven, number seven, safety, safety. Is safety getting in the way of God's will? Again, if he says, if any man desires to come after me, now any man would be any man, right? Any man would be anybody. So that's like you and you and you and me, right? We're, we're anybody. He says, if any man wants to come after me, so if anybody wants to follow him, it's kind of simple, all right? So anybody's like, you're not excluded, okay? So if anybody wants to follow me, this is what he has to do. He has to deny himself and then take up his cross. Okay, hang on. If I'm taking up my cross, am I going on vacation? No, when you take up a cross, where are you headed? To be crucified, to die. Uh, Wait, 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 why, why do we not get this? Why is this complicated? Is this complicated? Jesus says, take up your cross. Like, obviously, you're going to be crucified. You're going to die. Like, the call of Jesus is not safe. If you're looking for safety, forget following Jesus. Now, at times, it might mean that you're you're living comfortable, safe days. I'm not saying you're being disobedient. But if you require safety, if you require safety, you are saying, part of God's will, I cannot obey. Are you requiring safety? How, hang on. You might say, no, I'm not. Okay, what about for your kids? Well, for your grandkids, you might not like this prayer, but I've been praying for my daughter and I've been praying for my own heart. And I've been praying that if it's God's will, 
that my daughter will be obedient to the Lord even unto death and even if it's a martyr's death. I want to push my daughter towards the goal in such a way where she hears, well done, my good and faithful servant. I love my little 10-month-old. Breaks my heart sometimes to even pray it. But safety has no part in her call. Obedience. Number eight, skills. Are you using your skills, the greatness or the lack thereof, as an excuse? Moses tried that, and if you want to read chapter 4 of Exodus, it didn't work too well. But you can go back and read it again if you'd like to. Are you saying you can't do something because your skills don't line up with what you see in God's word? Let me tell you, uh, you've heard this statement. It's from my dad's Bible years ago. I read it and it just kind of stuck, right? Now, God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. You got that. He's looking for his obedience. And get this, in our weakness, that's when his strength is made perfect. So he's actually recruiting weakness. So when you say you don't have the skills, watch out. You just said the magic words. That's why I want you. Because you don't have the skills. Remember Aaron? He's like, I know Aaron can speak. That's why I didn't want him in the first place. I want to get the glory through your weakness. I want to show my strength. Skills. How about this? Significance. I think this is number nine. Significance. What do I mean by significance? What I'm saying is things that we deem important. Listen, the will of God are simple things like do everything without complaining and disputing. How about uh, in everything give thanks? How about let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is necessary for the edification of the hearers? You may say, that's just not a big deal. Like, I I want to tell the world about Jesus. Well, sometimes it starts by letting no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. You might say, I want the whole world to know. Well, maybe it starts with forgive others as I've forgiven you. Do you need to make a phone call tonight? Do you need to go to somebody in your family tonight and say, I am sorry for not forgiving you? In comparison to what God's forgiven you for, there's nothing, nothing that stands up in the light of that. Significance. Are you not obeying because you don't deem it significant? How about number 10? Statistics. Statistics. We could give a lot of biblical examples for this. Think Gideon, just for one example. Whoa, yeah. 300 men going in against the Midianites. Of course, he kept getting it weeded down. And then not only 300 men, come on. They weren't even allowed really swords, it seems. It, it, didn't, it wasn't listed in there. They said, yeah, the sword of the Lord of Gideon. But what happened? The Midianites turned on themselves and just killed each other. That's how they won the war. They had clay pots and lights. You might look at your situation. You might see what the will of God is. You might know it's the will of God. But you say, you know, <laughs> the odds are stacked against me. The odds never had anything to do with it. You know what had everything to do with it? God's word had everything to do with it. God's power had everything to do with it. If God is in it, well, who could be against you, first of all? And secondly, God's word will stand when everything else fades. Is the will of God determined by your evaluation of statistical analysis? Number 11, I think, is very important for us in this nation. Stuff. Stuff. Is there something that you're unwilling to give up for the sake of the will of God? Maybe someone that you're not willing to give up. We already talked about fleeing immorality. But stuff. Is stuff in the way? Do you demand that certain assets of life must be maintained? And then as long as God lets you hold on to that, then you'll follow him. You'll obey the will of God. Stuff. Maybe stuff is your thing. And let me tell you, stuff is very, very deceptive. And you might for a while think, I don't have an issue with that. 
So then what does the enemy do? He gives you more. <laughs> he gets you. He hooks you. Oh, you guys thought I was speaking to you? I'm not. I was talking to myself the whole time. You're just listening in, and I'm not joking. Number 12, stagnancy. Watch out. Watch out, those of you that are in ministry on number 12. This has been big in my life, stagnancy. Do you just do the same thing, and you're at a point where you're not even asking the Lord, like, do you still want me to do this? You've been doing it so long, everyone expects you to do it. Why would you change? And you become stagnant. Stagnant in the way things happen. Maybe it's even in careers in this room. Maybe it's in the way relationships have gone. Just stagnancy has hit. And you're no longer looking at the will of God. You're just looking at the way things have been. Stagnancy. Number 13. Status. This is huge. Are you unwilling to give up your status for the sake of the will of God? Again, maybe the way someone perceives you, maybe it's a position at work. You've worked so hard to, to, to climb this ladder and you're getting to almost where you want to be. And then God's will slams you saying, but I want this from you. And you say, but that will compromise my status. Is your status getting in the way of unconditional surrender to the will of God? Two more. And we have three minutes for them so we can go slow. Number 14, what I'm going to use as the word kind of is, is maybe a bit vague, but I'll go further. Sleep, sleep. Another word I could use is laziness. Is your rest, and I don't mean rest, like God wants us to rest. And I was just having a dear conversation with a brother here, or I should say a conversation with a dear brother on this topic. And I've been convicted that oftentimes I don't take enough time set aside to rest. That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about laziness. I'm talking about sleep when there's a job to do. When the word of God says, wake up, you sleeper. Stop being lazy about things that don't matter and put your hand to the plow. There's a job to do. There are souls at stake. Eternity is on the threshold. Get moving. Sleep. Is that the obstacle to the will of God in your life. And the final one, if you were going to ask me, you don't need to ask me because I'll go and tell you what mine is. This is my number one right here. And you can pray for me. Schedule. When something goes on my schedule, let me tell you, it's like the law of the Medes and the Persians. I know. It might sound silly, but I treat it that way oftentimes. It's almost like, okay, I no longer have to look to God's will because I have a schedule to follow. How arrogant. Does your schedule maybe get in the way like mine does? This is what I'm doing today. Rather than James chapter 4, if the Lord wills, we shall do this and this. Nothing wrong with having a schedule, but everything wrong when your schedule brings you to a point of no longer seeking the Spirit's guidance moment by moment. My friends, God's will is not hidden, it's not vague, but I find the problem in my life and maybe yours is a lot of things get in the way. Be honest with the Lord and let him start to convict you of those things that are in the way and respond because all he wants to do is bring you into a closer relationship with him which will also bear fruit that others might taste Christ in you and know the peace and joy and eternal life that we found. Let's pray.
Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it's living. I thank you that you communicate your will to us, and it's not hidden, it's not ambiguous, and it never changes. So, Lord, I pray that we would be attentive and that we would allow you to convict us of the things that are obstacles to listening to your, your way, and that we would live fully in the will of God. Even as Epaphras prayed for the church at Colossae, that we might be perfect and complete in all the will of God. I pray this for this precious group of sisters and brothers tonight, and I certainly pray it for my own life. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.